This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by Go Live Festival, 22nd and 23rd of July in Christchurch. I'm Ian Turner and this is an action-packed show. Degrees K, with more than a few stories to tell. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Degrees K on Plains FM 96.9. And it's a very good afternoon, uh, gentlemen. I have with me uh, in various studios around the world, um, Ed Castello, uh, Chris Spark and Dean Cameron from Degrees K. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. And if Dean sounds somewhat uh, disembodied, that's because he is currently in a basement uh, in Ottawa. That is of his own choosing, uh, fortunately. (laughs) It's not one of those weird kind of internet things. Um, and one of the reasons why um, we've gathered you guys together uh, today is come 23rd of July, I believe, Saturday 23rd of July, you will be taking to uh, some part of the Christchurch Town Hall uh, for the Go Live Festival. I think the, the first question for you, as Degrees K, when was the last time you played a gig in Christchurch? It was, it was after I'd finished in the band. Uh, so this lineup, yeah, you guys. Had, had you seen had you seen um, Degrees K with Oscar? Oh, we played at the wines, uh, not the wine cellar, um, uh, out in Littleton, Wunderbar. The Wunderbar. Ah. But with with Chris uh-huh. as this lineup, uh-huh. uh, as a three piece lineup, it would have been two thousand and two. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah. some some twenty years we, since twenty years yeah. since we've had the. Since we've had the yep. pleasure, um, we will get to the various permutations and combinations and lineups and mm. disappearances and um, uh, reappearances and so on. Um, I'll start with um, I'll start with you, Ed. Um, have you got yep. a first first memory of music in your life? The greatest American hero theme uh, song. Um, Could you give us give us a couple of lines? I'd love to hear. Look at what's happened to me. Come twenty third of July, I would love yeah. a. Uh, just at least sixteen bars of that. Maybe that could be a stage entry song. Um, so from from television, did you spend a lot of time in front of the TV or the radio? No idea. It was just something that maybe it, it, maybe I saw a, a blonde, curly headed person, um, and that's kind of what I was like when I was a child. And yep. it was a superhero, and it was yep. probably a la mode of um, for for kids of that. <laughs> um, uh, time so, yeah. Okay, you're you're in and you were away. What about you, Dean? Yeah. Um, first musical memory for you? I think my first tape that I ever bought was Queen Greatest Hits wow. number one. Okay, and I and I still remember going through that, and I also remember recording a lot of videos uh, as a kid and watching them at, at night time. Was there any aspiration um, from you to play at that point? My brother was a bass player, and uh, he used to play in local Irish bands. And um, and then I started to really get in, involved through his kind of his vibe, his movement. Mm. So um, he he was like about seven years older than me. So you know he lived in the sleepout, and uh. Uh, he was playing his playing his bass and so forth. And um, 
And so he was always quite influential in that case. So, yeah, experiences through that. Um, what about you, Chris? Was it always drums? Apparently, my dad said he used to play like Pink Floyd and Sibelius and uh, um, the Electric Light Orchestra to me when I was in the womb. So okay. I got mum to sit in the middle and turned up the sound and stuff. I don't remember that. Uh, but f- but my first actual memory was I did have a like toy drum kit uh, when I was, and I can only just remember it because I was really little, um, but I, I destroyed it with some toy sledgehammers, which was a shame because it was a lot of fun. Then I went to guitar, but I was useless at that. So I went back to drums again when I was about 13. Mm. What about um, uh, instruction for you guys? I'll stay with you, Chris, for a second. Um, drum teacher? I um, decided when I went to high school, I was going to take up either the drums or the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take up drums, um, which I'm pleased about, but you know, that's all good. Yep. And then there was a drum teacher there who was an old like pub rocker uh, who taught me how to play like 80s um, uh, David Lee Roth songs and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he was great. And so I had him and then I... Had another guy later on, and then I went to jazz school and focused on. I got more and more passionate about drums, and went to jazz school and focused on drums at that point. Ed, what about you? When was the first time you either picked up an instrument or opened your mouth and had the adulation of the people going, "Ooh"? Well, that goes back to my uh, other answer before with the greatest American hero theme. Ah. Like I used to sing that, and um, one of my earliest memories is sort of at a family get together, you know, being asked or just remembering being, you know, standing up on the, on the armchair and, and singing that. So I guess it was, it was voice. I was singing that I got into first. And then I had piano lessons when I was little, a little kid that didn't last very long. And then same as Dean, my brother, older brother, who was seven years older than me was very influential. And, you know, when I hit sort of 14, I sort of grabbed the, cruddy uh, nylon string guitar yep. from the music department and started bashing away on that. What about you, Dean? I think I picked up the guitar around about eight years old, um, playing cowboy chords and so forth. But uh, to be honest with you, you're probably looking at the, you're playing, uh, looking at the teacher right here. Eddie uh, taught me most of my, what I learned on bass guitar. Yeah. Really? I was a keen person in the crowd when uh, Eddie was in a band called Android mm-hmm. and uh, and suddenly the bass player decided to go and do different things with Android yep. and uh, and then Eddie was like oh check out this guy I got a good friend of ours and he said oh let's uh, let's get involved in bass and I said mate my brother plays bass I play a little bit of guitar and um, let's just give it a go and so what happened is uh, Eddie started to teach me some of the songs on bass, and then the rest of the history, really. So were you living in the same area at this point, or how did the, how did the connection, this is where I'm getting to for the three of you at least, where did this, where did you all come together? Chris and I met uh, at high school through, uh, through Rockwest. Chris yep. was at Rangiora High, I was at Ashburton uh, College, and um, we met in 1996 at Rockwest. We all hit it off, everybody in the two bands, and then we started um, putting on gigs in 1997 we started putting on we put on about four gigs i think in 1997 mm. out and um one in ashburton couple in ashburton couple in rangiora we would hire i don't know how we did it i don't know how we got the keys to the mm. hall but we would hire friggin you know like sefton hall um hire hire a pa yeah we, we were like 16 17 year olds i don't know how the hell we did it but yeah. we would put on gigs yeah hundreds of kids would come and that all preload. It was huge. Eh? And it was huge. <laughs> it was huge. It was and I don't know how we it did it. Massive. 
And that's how Chris and I met. And then decided we would go to both go to jazz school in 1998, first year out of high school. And um, some of our friend group were going to teachers college. That's where Dean came into the picture because Dean was going to teachers college. So through those friends, we met Dean mm. and we all kind of connected through this one uh, flat on the corner of um, Hanson's Lane and Blenheim Road, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Blenheim Road. And, yeah. um, and we all... About six people six, in there, I think. Six yeah. people living in there. It's probably not there anymore. Somebody had yeah. a drum kit and yeah. we all, we would just jam and socially experiment. And that's how the band came together, really. Mm. Okay. I had designs on getting a, Ed in a band and being in a band with Ed from first time I saw Android, but he didn't know that. So that was later. Okay. So that was <laughs> I still remember going out and supervising at those gigs. Like you guys put on those gigs. Um, I think it was out at Rangiora and I remember supervising and yep. being part of that and like collecting cash and stuff. Even at that time, you guys are still doing those gigs. Yeah. The last and, of those. Uh, and <laughs> before making that, before, yeah, it was the last of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then like before making mm-hmm. that transition into playing in pubs and so forth a yeah. lot more. Um, mm. It was pretty cool. Just to make sure, when did the uh, the three piece degrees K ninety nine? Okay, late ninety nine, okay. I think. And this this is the mid, three. Of I you. think it was kind of mid ninety nine, and yeah, because I've got a couple of things that happened in my head in, in that year. Uh, so two of you at jazz school, uh, and Dean, you're at Teachers College. What was the plan? Yep. Was there a plan? What did you want to do? Did you have dreams, aspirations? I think we wanted to take over the world musically <laughs> so we, we just wanted to yeah play we, were, we were young we, could, eh? yeah. Yeah. we had aspirations we were hungry mm. we were we were earnest you know it was the, you know the time you know rock music channel z was happening mm. you know bands like good Weta. shirt pluto weta yeah. tadpole yep. you know everything was ripe for for the picking you know and yeah. and south island bands are always very different and now you know i still think that you know living up here in auckland and 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 what seeing the bands that come out of christchurch um that they are a bit different and they they don't adhere to the sort of strict sort of um sound or look and 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 sometimes that really benefits them and and sometimes it kind of misses the mark and at times we were probably in both of those both of those camps <laughs> at the peak of uh, Christchurch, at least. Who were your who were your contemporaries? Who were the folks you were playing around with? So, Clown Dog and Clown band called Clown Dog and a band called Orchid were um, two bands that we were hooked in with really early. We went on a tour called the Three Piece All Stars when we were a three piece, and they both were. And we went around New Zealand. That was one of our earlier tours, and um, we were close with them all the way through. Um, but later on, other bands started coming up and sort of jumping ahead, I guess you might say, like Slim and yep. that that were uh, had been around in various forms, but they started getting profile and we yes. we uh, we would get to play with them sometimes. And um, uh, Mountains of Murray, who I've talked to you mentioned before, were around later in that picture and, and uh, other Heavy Jones trio and others as well. I'm probably forgetting a bunch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Slipstream. We used to play with Slipstream. Yeah. Okay. Um, Substandard. There was, few, yeah. there, was, there was Fuse as well, right? Yeah. Good old yeah. Fuse. Good old Joel, Scott. Greg, Dave, yep. Yep. the whole team. Um, they were kind of like, they were kind of like, we used to really look up to Fuse. And I mean, like somebody oh. being three three years or, or four years older than you when you're, you know, 21, yep. 20, seems like a lifetime. Yeah. We were front row and, and at all of their shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, they were pretty pretty instrumental for us. Ed did a, um, a thing with Scott at one point where we were doing gigs and one of our our gigs we titled the Scott Mason Long Tie Challenge because they were having like a 
frontman competition about who could have the longest tie. Okay, and, and that, that made us feel good because we love that band. <laughs> yeah, he 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 would he would rib rib us because we would we used to dress, you know, like I've seen um, a couple Dino of business and I, shirts and photos. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it was like the the days of the two dollar filler bag, and, yep. you know, yes. Sally's, and you know, yep. and 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 you'd come up with great stuff that you just won't find, you don't find anymore. Um, or a crushed and, um, velvet jacket from Tasman exactly, Traders, exactly. exactly. Yeah, Tasman, Tasman Traders. Uh, what was the band before Die Die Die? Uh, they called themselves the Rock Quest as well, oh. and they used to come up and travel a lot. Remember that? Yeah, those, those Carriage H. Carriage H. Okay, that's one that I haven't heard. Look, yeah. it is time to play some music. <laughs> um, influence, at least. Um, I have the name Shihad. Would you consider Shihad an influence in your sound? Uh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they were. Okay, they, good. Well, they were a band that it, I think, partly introduced me to Shihad. I remember going to a uh, the Burning in the Lights, this um, th- this uh, big concert that was there, and Silverchair were there and that. But Ed said, you know, watch out for Shihad. Not heard a little bit, mm. um, but this is incredible. And these guys are from New Zealand, and they're as good as anything I've ever heard. Yep. Uh, so for me, that was massive. Yeah. Uh, what track are we going to hear from John of the Boys? Uh, Bitter. Cool. Yeah. All yeah. right, here we go. Shihad, Bitter. <laughs>
rock your winter with Go Live, Christchurch's Winter Music Festival, Friday, July 22nd and Saturday 23rd at the Christchurch Town Hall. Over 18 artists, live across two nights on five stages. Get your tickets now at premier.ticketech.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with degrees.k at Plains FM 96.9 FM. I have to ask, yeah, I know, it's great, isn't it? Sorry, you can't see that on the radio, but um, Ed is dancing to that. Um, uh, why degrees? Is it degrees Kelvin or something more than that? Yeah, I think that was my fault, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was my fault. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so my, my dad, like me, though I don't always like to admit it, is somewhat of a geek, and um, <clears throat> and he thought we should call ourselves degrees Calvin, because it was kind of interesting. I might have liked the word degrees. I can't. What's remember. your dad's first name? Uh, my dad's first name is Malcolm. Okay. Yes. Well, at least it wasn't degrees Malcolm. No, no, no. Well, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but because of the scientific thing and various things, and um, we were, I think we we kind of had a temporary name that was never going to be the permanent thing, and we just needed a name for for a gig, I think. And in the end, it was something that we yep. could be happy with. Yep. I think is, is that fair, boys? Yeah. That's completely fair. Yeah, we had yeah. we yeah. we got to we got the band together and um, we started we started playing. We, I don't even think we had that many songs. And then through Dino, um, we got asked to play with a group called Debris in Wellington, and we were like, "Well, we've got a gig in Wellington at Barbadega." Um, that's right. We've, I remember we've that never night. played yeah. outside of Christchurch. Mm. We've got to. We've got to do this. We've got to take this opportunity. So, what are we going to call ourselves? And um, yeah, Chris, Chris said, well, "What about Degrees Gay?" And we just went, "Well, sure." That's and then good. we went and did the gig. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, how was that gig? I remember um, knowing about the the manager of the bar. Uh, he was very strict on making sure that you had to be there dead on time. Otherwise, you miss your sound check. Yep. And it was brutal. And it was, I, I think he's kind of like a well-known name. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Um, it's not pulling it out now, but he worked in the local record shop there. Mm. Yeah. And he, and I remember him coming down and making sure that you were dead on time. And we were really nervous because we were coming from Christchurch and this was a big deal. We had, you know, it was a gig in Wellington. It was the big capital and, you know, we had to strike a strike a pose and, and be right there and be on it, and uh, we had to be on time, and we were really nervous about it. I still remember that. How rock and roll did things get when I think about being punctual for sound checks <laughs> and such? As I said before, like you know, like we had, you know, we had dreams, and um, we were on the more sort of earnest side of of things, <laughs> and. I think I think you know we wanted to do things well. We took sound checks seriously. Yep. You know, some of us might have you know enjoyed the trappings of um, you know being in a band you know more than others. We didn't party like really hard, you yeah. know. But yeah. there were yeah, degrees we, of partying, but none were at that end. Yeah. 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 We'd stay up late. Like Chris. Chris doesn't. Chris doesn't drink, or he yeah. didn't back then. I don't yeah. know about now. But that didn't stop Chris from – Chris is a very, very social being and he would be staying out as late as us yep. and talking um, – he would just want to be talking to everybody, yep. you know, like – The conversation's so like, got more interesting as the night yeah, went on. Yeah. yeah. In doing some research for this interview, um, which is an occasional 
thing. Um, and listening to one of your songs, and you will be able to tell me which one, because um, I haven't been familiar with your oeuvre, um, yeah. and there's every possibility that I have seen you play live um, back in the day. There was a name Adam Murfitt mentioned. Yeah. I managed to find him on Facebook, <laughs> as you do. Uh, and I said, are you the Adam Murfitt? And you went, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, um, <laughs> and he said, um, ask them about the Roxton set. There you go. That, that was just a group of friends. Adam was one of them. Um, we had a, a really great flat, looking back on it now, um, on Roxton Terrace um, in Brindwa, and it backed onto a little stream. And it was just a house that um, we, were, we were playing in the band. A lot of songs were written there. Six, six of us. Six, six of us were living there. Yep. And, um, and it was just a very... Um, formative time for us to be living there uh-huh. and uh, adam adam was one of them yeah. so that's where that line uh, came from and that that song worth it i think is written sort of all about uh about living there and and um even the hair clips and business class busy hair clips and business cards under the under the mattress was that room right that room i didn't yeah. i didn't have a bed it was just a mattress and a, and a sunroom oh man we had yeah. some great stories like the landlord would try to come up to the to the house, and Eddie shouldn't really be there. Um, oh, and right. he, he was living in the conservatory. And basically, what would happen was that the landlord would turn up, and we'd just like turn his bedroom into this like living room. All of a sudden, you know, we'd like put all the um, all the double beds and stuff up in the back. Yeah, and um, that's where all the business cards were, right, and all the hair clips and everything. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and so, basically, um, the house was a real great party time. It was fantastic, and. Uh, and there was a lot of um, creativity that came out of that. But it kind of segues, actually, to the... Um, I know that Chris is fond of this time, too, is that we actually used a part of my uh, my dad's journal room. My dad was the principal of the school, and there was this journal room that we would go to to jam. And in that jam room, we would always take... Um, it was in a school... And that's where we wrote quite a lot of our songs, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, All the earliest and, and ones. It was, yeah. and, we were, and we were surrounded by these like journals from like year one, year two, year three, year four journals. And it was quite a crazy little environment that we would stick in there after school hours. And it was between what? It was between like eight to 11 at night. Mm. And it was in mm. school. And, and we would just jam out there twice a week. And we put all our stuff into it. We would have two cars. We would like set up a full drum kit, set up the full bass rigs, the full guitars, everything, and even the vocal PA, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And would fit it all in, in, into your mother's Honda Civic and whatever Chris was driving, whatever hatchback yeah. Chris was driving. Yeah, and, and we wrote we wrote a lot of our songs from our, our first album on Lifelike in the in the in the EPs in that room. Mm. Yeah, and there was a lot that came out of that room for sure. Mm. So from what I have picked up, and again, it's all about the segues, really. Uh, I'm still thinking about Greatest American Hero uh, on stage. Yeah, I can't believe it myself. Anyway, um, talking about the segues, there's a couple of tracks on Lifelike and again on Children um, of the Night Sky where you have re-recorded songs. Yep. How many songs did you have? Did you not have many songs or did you just want to do them better and better? We had heaps of songs. Um, we had songs. our initial recording session. 
that we did, I think we did about 18 songs. Wow. And fr from that, we had our two EPs and our first album, Lifelike. Yep. And then after those were all done, we had another 18 or 20 songs. And then when we moved to Australia, we, we demoed all of those. Uh -huh. And then through the machinations of trying to work out a better recording, some of the ones that we had already done still shone through. Sure. And um, because it was, you know, we were introducing ourselves to another audience, it didn't really matter. And yep. we kind of reconciled any feelings that we might have of being against that through recording them again and changing them slightly and working with a, a producer and yeah. So for Children of the Night Sky, you're with a group called Aloha. Recordings. Yeah, there was there was our, our management uh, and our um, and they they basically had a little label that that it was recorded through. Um, and they were we got put in touch with them through Shehead, so they were Shehead's management in Australia at the mm. time. They came and saw us, and I think they loved Ed. Uh, yeah. And they, um, what's they, not to love? <laughs> and and they uh, and so yeah, they they kind of financed that first recording, and, and we we worked through them. That's right, that one the recording in Australia of Children Night Sky. We worked through them. So yeah. you were based in Sydney uh, when you moved moved over to Oz, and what was the what was the reasoning? I can imagine, but you may have had different reasons for wanting to go there. Like any band in New Zealand in the early two thousands. Rock band, you you wanted to get out of wherever yep. you 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 were living, you know. And a lot of the New Zealand bands that were moving overseas were going to Melbourne, mm. and for good reason. They they had they you know around that time they had a butt ton of venues, and a lot of bands were doing really really well yep. over there. The Datsuns yep. were touring, you know, um, through there, and she had Fur Patrol and we we just didn't want to our our thinking was we just didn't want to be another Kiwi band moving to Melbourne but we didn't want to yeah. like move to Auckland and I guess we hadn't thought as far we didn't you know going further than Australia was a bit too crazy mm. and so Sydney it was I think we had already been to Sydney we we had played a gig there we had played with a band from Sydney in Christchurch called Knievel and we had made a couple of um, connections there and so we just followed up where, where we were sort of going. No, I think uh, I think from seeing that and going and playing there and seeing the music scene, we were just really happy to to put ourselves in a new a new city and get vibed up and, and excited and the Knievel was just fantastic music and, and the people are behind it and the energy was just great and we just felt that, you know, and so we just, yeah, like saying what Eddie was just saying just then, it's like we just didn't want to fall into that category of going into Melbourne and uh, and then just uh, and being down there with everyone else, every other yeah. Kiwi band, and we wanted to really try and something in Sydney. And, and then, you know, as we got into Australia, you know, uh, we could see that we were touring around and, and there were other great scenes in other cities too, you know, yeah. and uh, it, it, was, it was good. I want to talk more about the uh, actual recordings themselves and the creation of the songs, but we are going to hear another piece of music, and this is a fave. Um, it's from Betcha Duper. Have you have you played with these guys? Yeah, we did. We um, they were uh, in Melbourne at the time that we we're in Sydney. Mm -hmm. uh, we played with them earlier in that, met them at a at a New Year's Eve concert in uh, Nelson, which was fantastic, and they were great that night. Yeah. Uh, and 
Uh, they were a bit younger than us, <clears throat> but they were obviously uh, making making waves. Yep. Uh, so, but we we got to tour, uh, play play a number of shows with them, uh, particularly in Melbourne, that were just really great, and they were great guys. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of a connection. They also dressed very sharply, a lot like Ed and uh, and Ben. Fantastic. All right, we're going to hear from Betsy Duper. This is Drop D.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Degrees K on Plains FM 96.9. Um, your most recent album was a little while ago, Children of the Night Sky. Um, and there's a couple of couple of tracks that you'd written um, a while before actually putting this this album out. What's the what was the general writing process apart from pouring your heart and soul into those journal room sessions? It usually started with the riff. Yep. I mean, it would start that, and and that's mm. how we churned them out. Like, I'd love to say, oh, we were a, we were a song based band, and and Eddie wrote a song, and it was all you know all about the lyrics and stuff. But that's not really how it was with us. You know, our music was quite quite muscular and quite rhythmic, and um, so it always started with 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 a bit of a riff yep. and then how chris would you know relate to that and what what he would put down on it and then dean's um input was always very um very harmonic and it would make it like i listen back to a song like worth it now and if i just play my part it's all very just it sounds very one note the whole way through mm. and then when you add dean's part yep it's the counterpoint and that's where you get the song so it would always start with the riff and then we would just we would just roll that for for hours we were happy to just loop sections for hours yep so i might be eddie's biggest fan well but I, I i always pretty much always loved it but he would always write one verse in a chorus and then never write a second verse. So yep. then when we came to recording... Right. That's reasonable. Right. I love it. There you go. Right. All the way. <laughs> and so yeah. at, at time to record, he's like, man, I've got to get a second verse. So, yeah. But okay, can I ask this question? Bloody hell, Shakespeare wrote 132 or there about sonnets. They don't all have to be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. I look back at those those writing sessions and, and, and Dino and I have talked about this since since we've been in the band and it's like we thought we were working like really really hard mm. um and to a degree we were but we weren't working hard enough to, hard enough yep. to um to to really take the band as far as it could have gone and okay. i don't mean like we could we should have been you know because sometimes we were practicing like two times a week you know and i don't mean practicing two times a week but but me as a songwriter i could have been i should have been like writing so much more than I was. And, and I was, ju I just, you know, maybe I wasn't a, a, an undiagnosed ADD or something and my attention de deficit or something. I should have just been much more focused on writing so many more lyrics. And, and maybe that was a down, one of the downfalls of the band. So and that's a... what I should say to, to young writers is just, just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing and refining. I'm just bouncing off Ed there, and then we were pretty caught in understanding our sound. You know, we were we worked really hard to sometimes not accept a good pop song, and we really wanted to change that a lot. You know, we wanted to mm. mix it up a little bit and uh, and play around with our sections and make sure that um, things were just a little bit on the edge. You know, they weren't just you know sitting there for everyone to be able to pleasantly hear, but there was something that was on the edge. And we worked hard at that, you know, um, period of time. And sometimes we didn't listen to feedback, mm. you know, as much as we could have uh, in some places. Um, and, and that was a big eye-opener for us, you know, when we're getting into the studio with producers and, and different engineers and so forth and listening to feedback. Um, um, that, was a big, that was a big piece to the algorithm, right? Mm. A few years down the track, how do you feel about the music 
now. I I still really love it. Like I look back on um, that music and listen to it, and I it still uh, gives me an energy and uh, things, and I'm still very uh, pleased with with what we made. Uh, I do I do think some of the things that that idea that there's often a combination of edge and sort of release that is uh, that makes for great music. And sometimes we lived more with more of the edge and less of the release. Um, but I, 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 I don't look back on it and think, I wish we did it differently. Um, and I, the other thing that I personally love about it is the, the variety across, and which is a bit me, I, I have a eclectic musical taste, but the variety across mm-hmm. it, uh, I really enjoy. Dean. I love it. I love the fact that, uh, the energy that we have is a, is a three piece as a four piece as a group. We're just totally like the live environment. You know, I can get stuck in the studio and so forth, but that live energy, I just visualize it. And, uh, and we're a great live act. Yep. Like we are able to engage people for that good solid hour and just have a great time and just, and just see solid, solid music that we're excited about and that we're into. And, uh, and I love it. I love it. And it's really great to, to, to connect with that. And I connect with it often. Yeah. Ed, before you answer about what you think about the music, because I'm hoping that you think we did the right thing and didn't just make pop music, um, where have you taken your vocal influences from? Back then, back then, it was uh, I was on a huge um, Bucko, uh, Buck, Jeff Buckley um, yeah. bang. Okay. I look back on it. I listen back to those recordings now, and I remember thinking back, Back then, I was just totally comparing my as the rain. You know, I was like, I'm not singing high enough. You know, I'm not, I can't. Well, I can't you, sing. you got some B flats in there. Oh, dude, no, and that's the note that I'm talking about. As yeah, well. and yeah, um, but he was up to E's, G's, yeah, almost. and and now I listen back to it and think, geez, and that's that's the massive thing that I'm working on at the moment is getting my getting my range back. Um, for this show and it won't probably be I won't be um, you know doing all of the highballs but um, I'll definitely be um, holding my own yeah yeah on as far as holding my own with my younger self um, and I think my I mean I think my tone is better now and I, I'm a, I am a better singer now than I was back then regardless of um, regardless of range so um uh, can I just from a very practical point of view um so how much um how much rehearsal um are you guys doing or at least how <laughs> are you preparing considering you're uh, you're all around the world yeah because uh we'll, we'll have a couple of days before uh before the show and we've booked some time and we're all coming i'm coming with my young family dean's coming with his young family and we're all sort of in christchurch for a couple of days and yep. for us it's more um it, of course it's about the technicality side of things and uh but it's also about reconnecting as people and that that goes a long way and and we've been having agms almost um almost um almost weekly you yeah. know and um yeah. and just we used to live in each other's pockets all the time and just one thing or another you go even though we all still love each other and we're still very influential on each other's lives, you just you just don't talk. And this having this band bring us back together is just so awesome mm. for the three of us. And I think we all agree um, on that. And it was so weird the other day because mm-hmm. I was like having this text with um, Chris about the band, and then I was like, "Shit, hang on a minute, 
what do you think about those Star Wars films that have been coming out over the last three years? You know, because these are things that we would have talked about, yeah. you know, yeah. back in the day. And yeah. it was like I realized I hadn't talked to him about those things. So it's been really great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can I ask for a, a track from Degrees K that we can hear now? This, this song Worth It was the song that we mentioned with you. You mentioned to us before with Adam Murphitt, uh, ah, and, um the go. Hey, Adam. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, and the the, uh, the hair clips and business cards. Uh, so this was one that was written pretty early in our, our uh, life together as a band, but it stayed um, present and kind of relevant and energetic uh, through the entire time. And it was actually probably the song that got the most, I don't know, airplay and attention and things yep. as well for us. Uh, and one that we st- oh, I still really love. We've as mm. we've been preparing, we've kind of I've been jamming it and things, and it feels good. And um, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, for those that haven't heard it before, um, you're in for a treat. This is Degrees K. Worth it.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Degrees K on Plains FM 96.9. We've talked about Go Live, 23rd of July. Uh, You guys will be coming back together and playing Across the two nights, at least, um, have you seen the um, uh, the lineups? Yeah. Yep. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone that you guys yeah. are excited to see? Heavy Jones Trio. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emma Dilemma. Yes. Um, Absolutely fantastic. All right, guys, we're going to have to um, um, wrap it up there. Um, yep. We do have time for one more Degrees K track. Probably not something off Children of the Night Sky. What can we hear now? Let's hear Wild Animal. Okay. Uh, why this particular track? Uh, it's a little bit, it's a it's a mellower, it's largely instrumental. Um, it's something that we, we will play um, at the reunion. And um, something that I, when I listened back, started listening back to all of the recordings, I was like, wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's cool. Guys, um, thank you so much all the way from Ottawa and um, uh, Barmy during june auckland at least um mm. chris in the uh, the shed at the garden of sound um i wish you well i am so looking forward to seeing you guys play at go live festival oh, thanks man thanks We're for having us started. yeah
time for my track of the week. Rock Quest darlings and all-round good sorts, Coast Arcade, are back with a newly recorded version of their fantastic song, Tattoo. She puts her makeup on, dances like she's 21. Backseat lovers wishing they were young. I wish I could tattoo her on my neck to have her around all the time. But when my head hits the pillow, it flashes to her face. There's a tension between us, and I don't know why. She's not fading or separating from my mind. And if I could light a match for all the time she said goodbye The look in your eyes tells me it's okay To think about you in this way So 
Thank you very much for tuning in to Garden of Sound this week and thanks very much to Ed, Dean and Chris from Degrees K for being such good sports. You can head to gardenofsound.nz and find out more about Degrees K performing at Go Live Festival on the 23rd of July. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Enohura. <laughs>